Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined once again by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're jumping into the second week of the book of Genesis, and Eric will be leading us through the comma method. And we're going to be walking through a genealogy this time. But before we do, guys, I thought it might be fun to learn a little bit about your families. I know it's a little bit different than a genealogy, but how many siblings do you have? And where do you fall in age? Clayton, you want to go first? Uh, Well, not sure you have enough time for this one. But uh, here's a short answer. I have 11 siblings. They are all girls. Uh, So I have 11 sisters. And I'm not sure where I fall in birth order. I am either the firstborn, the secondborn, or the eighth. Um, All of those are true. So I have uh, adopted siblings. Uh, Eight of my sisters are adopted. Uh, Two are full biological sisters. One is a half-sister. And my half-sister is 10 years older than me, so she's kind of the first. But uh, I'm also the first of my mother. uh, And then some of my adopted siblings are older than me. So when it comes down to it, I'm the eighth chronologically in terms of when we actually were born, uh, which just means psychologically, I'm very confused. I'm lost. Wow. (laughs) Here is hoping that that is the most confusing thing that happens during this podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what just happened. I'm sure he's telling the truth, but that is some confusing stuff right there. It is. How about you, Eric? Three. Okay, we're not done yet. We're not done. (laughs) <laughs> three you have three biological siblings or there's yes yeah so uh two and a half uh so i have i, I have two younger biological it sisters just got more confusing I have, how can you have two i have a half, I have a half sister uh and uh oh okay, so she, that kind of half yeah, i so got it she now. lived with her mom and uh, i i lived with our dad uh and uh yeah so <laughs> it's it's very confusing wow well all right Eric? I am the youngest of five kids. That was simple. I have, uh, let's see, a brother and three sisters, and we are all a year and a half apart right up the line. Ooh. Wow. Yep, so I'm the baby. Hi, Mom. (laughs) Yes, this is your golden child speaking to you (laughs) during the podcast. I know I'm your favorite, and I'm the baby, and I have fulfilled all your hopes and dreams. That's sweet. I always tell my siblings that my, obviously... I brought satisfaction to my parents because they kept trying and trying and trying until finally. And they had you. They had satisfaction. Either so. that or they were just scared after. Worn out. Yeah, yeah worn out. You Actually, know. what my mom. Oh, wanted another one of those. <laughs> if I have this right, what my mom would say is she wanted five boys. So had a boy and then girl, 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 and mm. then me. And I think they were done at that point. <laughs> but I have a son as the oldest mm-hmm. and then three girls. And so my father told me if I was a real man, I would complete the pattern. (laughs) (laughs) To which I said, well, I'm going to have to be okay not being a real man because I am out of this game. Uh, There we go. Nikki, what about you? Uh, I'm an only child, so it's really simple for me. We we apparently have siblings siblings we could lend you if you ever need a few extra. We've got more than enough to spare. You can keep them. You can keep them. I'm good. Thank you. I love all of my siblings, Clayton, (laughs) and I would not give any of them away Mm -hmm. except for four of them. (laughs) all right well thanks for sharing that guys all right so um eric why don't you get us started on this passage oh man we're gonna do some genealogies today because they are throughout the bible in various places and my hunch is if you are like me out there in 
podcast world listening to this, when you get to your daily Bible reading and you get to a genealogy, you either skip that day's Bible reading or you scan it really fast and then wonder to yourself, why in the world is this even in my Bible? Uh, or you just get a lot of questions. If you actually do read the genealogy, you ask a lot of questions. So we figured, hey, let's read a genealogy today and see what happens. So here we go. For all of you that were going to skip the genealogy this week <laughs> in the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, we got you on the podcast. We're actually going to look at a genealogy. So we are in Genesis chapter 11, and we are starting at verse 10. All right, so I'm going to read this one, and uh, one of the things about genealogies is uh, most of the names you've probably never said out loud before, so that means I am going to uh, Ooh, mangle these, this be fun. but that's okay, that's okay. Uh, this is the account of Shem's family line. Two years after the flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Arphaxad. And after he became the father of Arphaxad, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxad had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arphaxad lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber. And after he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he became the father of Peleg. And after he became the father of Peleg, Eber lived 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he became the father of Reu. And after he became the father of Reu, Peleg lived 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Reu had lived 32 years, he became the father of Sarag. And after he became the father of Sarag, Reu lived 270 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sarag had lived 30 years, he became the father of Nahor. And after he became the father of Nahor... Sarag lived 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah. And after he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. After Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldees, uh, Chaldeans, in the land of his birth, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, his son Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> How was that for you? I was trying not to laugh while you were reading through that. This our, is why our this, is why, this is why people skip the genealogy. I wanted to see how many times you could say our faxed. Our faxed is a good one. As many times as it's in the genealogy. I might have a sibling named that. I don't know all their names. <laughs> you just randomly call people our faxed instead of saying, "Hey, man," so, or "What's up, girl?" So, or "How you doing, bud?" You just start using the generic our faxed. Our faxed. All right. Okay. So the C and comma is context. Mm. What in the world are genealogies doing in our Bible? And how could they possibly matter? So very basic context. This is the most obvious point of context, that the Bible is a story from beginning to end. And that's why you always want to understand the context. What's going on? Who are these people? What's the culture like? Where am I in the story? 
right? These are all questions that you're, you're constantly asking yourself. Um, and so one of the things that genealogies do is they connect the story, right? And so on, on the most basic of levels. Now, sometimes there's some other really cool things going on in the genealogies that it would take you some help to actually see. But on a very basic level, genealogies are like bridges, right? They're getting you from one point in the story to the next point in the story. And sometimes you're fast forwarding by lots and lots of years, right? So it's, uh, what is it? Do you guys remember uh, SpongeBob? Any of you watch SpongeBob? I'll skip this analogy if none of us have I'm watched sure SpongeBob. I'm sure someone who's listened watched yeah. SpongeBob. Go for it. Okay. We you did ever, not. You ever see the SpongeBob episode where it keeps saying like, two hours later, it just keeps fast-forwarding the story. All right, so that's some of what the genealogies are doing, uh, just as a, as a bridge on a very basic level. There's some other cool things going on in genealogies, but it's a bridge. One of the things genealogies remind you of is this is, in fact, a story, and it's not a fictional story. Like, these are accounts of real people, real generations, human history unfolding. Um, so it's reminding you that this is God interacting with human beings throughout human history, and it was actually unfolding th- throughout time. So, uh, so here's here's my question. We'll keep talking about context here for a little bit, but be totally honest. When you get to genealogies in any Bible reading plan, what do you normally do? Well, I think I've learned to not skip them. I actually try to figure out if I can if I can figure out how to pronounce people's names. That's Literally what I tried to. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I, I I don't skip them anymore. I used to. Mm-hmm. Now I just look for, well, I, I was taught how to read them. But uh, for a long time, I just look for names I recognize. Like if I, if I happen to know oh, yeah. somebody in a genealogy, like, oh, like I've heard of Abraham before or I've, you know, Jesus is in this genealogy. Like that was at least an anchor of like, okay, I think I know who David is. Um, but beyond that. Yeah. So, Nikki, you use it as a game to see if you can pronounce names. Well, I'm going to get you could call it a game. I, I'm, I'm kind of like between, it's between like, let me see what I can pronounce or let me try to pronounce it to, uh, I recognize some of these, most of them. I have no idea who they are. And Clayton, you use it kind of like in the Highlights magazine when it's the find the 10, <laughs> yes, yeah. find the 10 hidden garden tools in this jungle yeah, exactly scene. exactly that. You're looking for the hidden garden tools. Okay. You, you think that a lot of people think when they get to the genealogies, like there's any guilt in their Bible reading. Like if I was a better Christian or I was more spiritual, maybe I'd get something out of this. Or, well, answer that question first. I, Do you think people feel guilty when they skip the genealogies? There, there's a subset of people that does, but I think most people are like, God, this one's on you. Like, <laughs> like you you wrote this book and, uh, and, and you wanted me to get something out of it, but, uh, you, you did not help me on this. So uh, I'll, I'll get to the other stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I think they, I think some people feel like they, they feel bad about skipping it, but it's like, well, how do I even say what's there? So, or maybe they feel like it's free pass day. Like, oh, it's genealogy. (laughs) This is my free pass. I don't have to read my Bible day today. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure people think that too, yeah. So just a reminder, nothing is in the Bible by accident. If, in fact, the Bible is God's revelation of himself to us throughout human history, and he wants us to know him, that he superintended that we would get this book. And so nothing is in there by accident, and everything, which means, therefore, everything is in there for a reason. So it has some part to play, Mm. right? 
So we're not going to sit here today on this podcast and pretend that if you're really spiritual, that you will get this deep, amazing meaning out of the genealogies. Now, there is some cool stuff in there, um, but you can you can apply the comma method to genealogies and actually get get something out of it to apply to your life. So that's what we're going to try to do today. So uh, before we move on to observations, just want to make a... Uh, a few observations. Okay, we're in observations now. Okay, good. <laughs> Are we in observations? Just, we just kind of stumbled into it. We just uh, here tripped we go. right over okay. the line. <laughs> I'm glad we're in observation. Before we get to observations, I'd like to make some observations. <laughs> study Bibles. This, honestly, when you get to things like genealogies, this is where study Bibles can potentially be a huge help. So just a reminder, there are all kinds of things in a good study Bible, tools in there that help you understand uh, and we've talked a lot about getting context out of the study Bible, right? Like reading the introduction to a book of the Bible so you get the background, the culture, what's going on, the setting, all of that. Uh, and then there's the, the study notes on the bottom half of a study Bible that either help you interpret tricky verses or give you more context, background information. So uh, when you're reading genealogies, perhaps you go down to those study notes and just look and see if there's anything in those study notes that would help you get anything out of a genealogy or understand more about what's in that genealogy. So let's do that right now. We all have we yep. all have Bibles sitting here on the table. So let's look at the study notes and see if there's anything in the study notes that help us with genealogies. All right. So uh, I've got a note here that says this is a 10-name genealogy. And it's just like that one of Seth. So it refers back to an earlier genealogy that we already read in the book of Genesis that also has 10 names in it. Uh, and it says, unlike that one, uh, the, the, it doesn't give the total figure of how old they were when they died. So the other one gives all these ages of here's how old they were, they, they were when they died. This one doesn't include that. Yeah, my, my study notes have... Uh, are you in an NIV study Bible? NIV study Bible. That's so what I, I think I have an older NIV study Bible. So, you know, they update these Bibles all the time because the Bible is the best-selling book in the world, right? So publishers keep constantly putting out like new versions with new study notes because they want people to keep buying Bibles. Does that sound bad? Uh, <laughs> I mean, some of it, some of it is it's good. It's also helpful. It, it, it is they, helpful. They, they, study they Bibles it. are helpful. Uh, but, you know, if, if they just change the cover on it. The like cynical they put, interpretation <laughs> here. I don't know if that's cynical, if it's just true, right? Like if you have a, if you have a Bible and it's like the men who like to hunt Bible and it just has camouflage cover on it, I mean, it's the Bible. Um, so anyway, it talks about how the, not every generation is included in this genealogy, yeah. that it, the intention of this genealogy is to bridge you from where the story left off to where it's about to pick up. Uh, but it's not necessarily interested in giving you all the ages, every generation uh, of the the family tree going from one to the next. Yeah, mine mine actually has a note that says in Luke 3, which is the genealogy of Jesus, uh, that, that goes all the way from Adam to Jesus. It, it actually includes names in between some of these names in that genealogy that aren't included here. So it's, it's clear that th if those people were in the genealogy somewhere— that they skip them here, which means it doesn't doesn't cover everybody. I also, um, I you know, it referred back to the previous genealogy, so I kind of went back and looked at that to see if there were some notes kind of explaining, hey, this is the first genealogy here, how do they work? Uh, it actually has a whole uh, inset, like a little box that says lifespan before the flood. Because when you read this, one of the observations probably uh, most people notice is these people were stinking old. 
Like the ages are really high. Uh, I've never met anybody who was, uh, you know, I've met a couple of people who are just over 100, uh, but never people who are in the uh, multiple hundreds, right? So uh, what's the deal with that? So there's a, there's a whole little kind of inset explanation of how have people understood this, you know? Uh, is it, maybe it's just literal, you know? People are closer to Eden and they're, they're just, you know, less, death has crept in less. Uh, maybe it's a summary of the time between those different generations. Or maybe it's some sort of kind of cultural way of expressing uh, the the grandeur, the bigness of these people. The kind of the, in the culture they had ways of saying the king lived forty thousand years or whatever, and it was a way of just saying they were a really great king that was very powerful. Um, and so there's different conversations about that. Um, uh, it's very clear that even the scholars are confused by those numbers. So if you are too, um, it's probably not uh, your problem. Yeah, if the if the number is round, I can buy like it potentially being symbolic, but when they're really specific, like this person lived 478 years, I'm like, well, 119. that seems very, very specific to me. Like that was their age, but uh, we could go down a rabbit trail on, on this whole topic because it's super interesting. But what we do want to point out is this is why good study Bibles are really helpful mm-hmm. because there are articles there when they put these study Bibles together, they know that they know the things that are tricky. They know the questions that people will ask when you're when you're reading the Bible. And so there's so many tools in a good study Bible that will help you explore these kinds of things. And that's that's some of the fun of Bible reading is reading something, having a question and then trying to chase down the answer Uh and so there's lots of things in your study Bible. Have you guys ever seen the, the website Got Questions? No. So there is a website called gotquestions.org. Giving them a little plug right now. Because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a reputable website. It's not, you, you know, sometimes you can Google things and you get who knows what answer you're getting, especially when you're, when you're Googling things about the Bible or theology. Yeah. You, you just get the, the guy who has enough time on his hands to, to rant online. Yeah. You find his blog. Yeah. So Got Questions is pretty reputable. I don't agree with everything on that website, but of course I'm not the standard of truth. So, um, but it's a very reputable website and you can type any question you have about the Bible in the search window and you'll get a quick like two or three paragraph answer. And then just like, you know, when you're shopping on Amazon, it says, if you bought this, you'd probably want to buy this and this and this. (laughs) It says, if you were interested in this question, you might also be interested in this question and this question. So you can just keep clicking you know, so you could type in a question like, did people really live 500 years in Genesis? And you're going to get an answer. And then you're going to you're able to keep going as far as you want to go. So uh, all of that to say that there are a lot of really good tools in study Bibles. And there are tools out there in the world that will help you figure, figure some of this stuff out. So uh, let's do observations now uh, based on the text. What do we see in the text that either is repeating or jumps out to us or a question that is generated? Well, you uh, you mentioned it was a bridge, so it's a, it's the it kind of goes between two things, and so uh, it seems like the important thing about the bridge is where you're coming from and where you're going to. Uh, this one talks about uh, right after the flood. So Shem is one of the sons of Noah, so they come through, get rescued uh, by God there, and then the end of the the bridge is uh, Abram. So Abram is, uh, you know, Abraham, uh, he's one of the major characters. So to go from the flood to that, it's like, okay, we're, we're connecting these two stories. You know, God rescued humanity, and now he's going to do something more with, with this guy. Yeah. Um, I observe just, I, like we were saying, I think it's important for uh, all of the, the names and where people even lived. Like, we find out where Abram lived, where he came from, where he was going, 
Um, all of that information was important back in the day. Um, I, I, you think kind of like a, a family tree or putting your name in, you know, Ancestry.com and you're, you're finding like a list of all this information of like where your family, uh, where your family came from, uh, potentially what their religious status was, their socioeconomic status. Like there's all these things that back in the day, I think genealogies defined people. Um, and it kind of said, you know, it, it, it kind of pointed to maybe where they were going, where they came from, where they were going, what to expect of them. And I think from a spiritual perspective, family lineage is important to us because as members of God's family, it kind of, it's supposed to define us on every level. So I think it definitely defined who people were back then. It, it defines us today as we see ourselves as members of God's family. Man, that was good. We should just end the podcast Thanks. right here. There's no, I don't think there's anything that's going to happen after that that's going to be any better. Thanks, uh, so I noticed the repeating and every person's and had other sons and daughters. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like yada, yada, yada. Like, yeah, there was other people, but I'm not telling you about those. Like, I just, I just want you to know that I'm bridging this to something. But what's interesting, though, is, I, you know, I, I think back to readings we had, you know, a week or so ago where right after sin comes into the world – there's there's this uh, curse on having kids, right? Like it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be anxiety and fear and, and whether or not you're going to have children. And people are already killing each other too. So there's like death and concern about will there be a next generation? And yet in each one of these, it's like, you know what? These people weren't necessarily amazing people, but God kept being faithful and faithful. And, mm-hmm. and there were more kids and there were more people and God filled the world with people. So it, it's almost the faithfulness of God in spite of all that we've seen happen so far in the book of Genesis. All right, well, let's move on to meditation. We have some observations. This is going to be an interesting experiment right now uh, because we have some observations. I don't think any of us would say that anything we have said so far has been earth-shattering, you know, groundbreaking, transform-my-walk-with-Christ type observations, Uh, but there have been some observations. So uh, we take 45 seconds during the podcast. Meditation is just prayerful thinking. Lord, what are you speaking to me today? Um, And so... Um, here's what I'd like for everybody to focus on today. Uh, this is this is a bridge. It's a genealogy taking you from one part of the story to the next. Uh, these are real people that had real families. So God's purposes working out throughout human history. God's purposes somehow going forward. So think about that for 45 seconds. All right, after we spend a few moments in meditation, prayerful thinking, uh, then we move on to message. We start dialing in and saying, okay, in one sentence or so, uh, what is going to be my takeaway today from reading this text? So who do we pick on first? 
Nikki is pointing at Clayton. Clayton is pointing at Nikki. And since I get to lead the episode today, I get to pick, don't I? That's awesome. Nikki, you're first. Okay. Um, I knew he was going to do that. All right. So my message, uh, kind of going back to what I said earlier with my observation uh, along the lines of uh, being a member of God's family is uh, if I tell people that I'm a, a Christian, it's supposed to kind of give them a glimpse into the fact that I'm a child of God and I'm a citizen of heaven. Um, so to me, that's, that's my message. My family lineage as a member of God's family gives a glimpse into what I'm about. I'll, it lets people know that I'm a child of God and a citizen of heaven. If I could sum it up in that sentence, that's what it would be. All right. Well, I'm looking at this, these lists of people, and uh, you know what? It feels a little bit like uh, when you either you're watching the credits of a movie, and it's like everyone – who who are these people? I don't know. You know, it's just a list of names until you know one of them, right? Until you know one person, and you say, oh, man, that person – that's my friend. That's a family member. You get excited about that. Or like at a, at a graduation, like it's 200 people who are graduating, and you know one person, and you cheer for your family member, right? So I think God – feels that way about each person in, in the, the list, right? Like he knows every one of them, just like you know your family or your friend that was in that list, right? So my, my takeaway is God really likes people. Like he likes people. He wants people around. And so the fact that there were all these generations of people, that, that comes from God's desire to have a world full of people. My, my takeaway, my message is I'm going to borrow it from Kids World at our church in the Big God Story. Uh, when I read genealogies, it reminds me that this is God's story. And it's not about me, it's about him. And if a, a genealogy was written now, my name might be in the genealogy, or I might be, and there was other sons and daughters. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm still a part of that story. And so it just reminds me the bigness of God, that history is his, and I have a part to play, a very small part, but a significant part, right? But it's God's story, not not my story. Thank you, Kids World, for the big God story. That's uh, so. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, the curriculum that our children's ministry uses at our church is called the Big God Story. They walk through the entire story of the Bible every school year from beginning to end and stop in different places, so that kids that are growing up in our church realize that there uh, there's a story going on, but it's not ours. We have a part to play, but it's not our story. It's God's. So. All right, application. How are we going to apply this to our lives today? I want to, I just want to make sure that I am responding and living in a way that reflects the fact that I'm a child of God and a citizen of heaven. We, we have a part to play. And so I want to make sure that I'm doing that to the best of my ability, a way that reflects Christ. I think uh, rather than uh, treating the people I encounter during the day as just another person in a list, you know, like, oh, that's just one more person going by, which is what it feels like when you read the genealogy sometime, I'm going to say, no, God loves people. God loves this person. And they might be just a passing moment in my day, but uh, I'm going to look them in the eye. I'm going to say, what's valuable about this person in this encounter right now? My application is in understanding that I am prone to selfishness and thinking about myself first, part of my sinful nature, uh, and I need a constant reminder that life is not about me, I am not the center, this is God's story, and the best way for me to do that 
is to daily read my Bible. It's where I can go and re-engage with the story and remind myself that there is a God and I am not him. Uh, I've been saved by grace. I'm now a part of his story, uh, but the story isn't about me. Um, I'm a part of it. So it's like, it's kind of like, have you guys ever watched the show 24? My wife and I are watching that right now because, you know, during COVID, we didn't want to pick a show that only had a few few seasons because I have this uh, very, it's almost like a mild depression when you're Netflix watching, you know, Netflix binging <laughs> a show and it comes to an end. You like feel like you have to go find a new friend now. So 24 has, I don't know how many seasons. It's a lot. So anyway, every episode of 24 is both frustrating and in some ways refreshing because they do an intro every episode, a recap of the story, and they reintroduce you to the characters every single episode. I'm think sometimes I'm thinking like you got to be kidding me you're going to this is 2 minutes that you could just be into the episode already but then there's sometimes I'm like oh yeah I forgot that happened oh yeah I forgot that person you know and it's a good reminder to keep you engaged in the story uh and so that's what the bible is for me it just it's a it continues to be a refreshing reminder to me that there's a story going on uh and that I'm a part of it but it's not all mine yeah Well, there you have it, friends. We hope you never look at genealogies the same again. Uh, We hope you'll join us next Monday. Clayton will be walking us through another passage from the book of Genesis. In the meantime, if you are not following along with the reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com. Download it. Start reading along. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.